grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, who is our Father, and who has made us a part of his family, and through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. What can you learn about God through your experience with your family? And what can you learn about God through your experience with your father? What is it about dads that is meant to teach us something about God because God calls us, he calls himself our dad? What does it mean that God calls himself our dad? In our text for today, it's going to specifically focus on this truth that God makes us personally a part of his personal family and calls himself our dad. After Jesus rises from the dead, Mary sees him, and she comes to him thinking and discovering that this is the Lord who she thought she had lost, and now she's found, and she doesn't want to let him go forever. But Jesus says, don't cling to me. Because I'm ascending to my Father and your Father. To my God and your God. Jesus gives us something in this relationship with God that was never there before. That we should be called children of God. Now, as a father, I think I'm quite qualified. And if any of you are fathers, I think we're all quite qualified to say that fathers don't have it all together, that dads are not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. There are no perfect fathers. Why would God want us to think of himself as a father when dads are the ones making so many bumbling mistakes in this world? I think Harry Chapin would agree. After all, he wrote a folk song in 1974 that became quite famous, number one on the charts, called The Cats in the Cradle. Actually, he didn't write it, his wife wrote it. And actually, it was not about him, but it was about her first husband, James, and his father. But there was something in this song that Harry himself could then adopt and make his own, and that is common to so many people's experience. He says, my child just arrived the other day. He came into the world the usual way, but there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away. And he was talking before I knew it, and as he grew, he said, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know I'm going to be like you. And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue with the man on the moon. When are you coming home? You don't know when. But we'll get together then. You know, we'll get together then. And then the song goes on about the son turning 10. And he tells his dad, thanks for giving me this ball for Christmas. Let's go play catch. And dad says, I've got a lot to do. And the son says, well, that's okay. 
And he walks away with a smile on his face and says, I'm going to be like him. And then the third verse comes along and he's going off to college. And then the son is away at college and the dad is thinking, when is the son going to come home? He tells him, I'm so proud of you. Can we sit for a while? And then the son says, well, I'd really like dad is to borrow the car keys. See you later. Can I have them, please? And then in the last verse, the dad's retired. The son's moved away. He's got a family of his own. And it says, I called him up just the other day. The dad calls his son. says, do you have time if I could come see you? And the son says, you see, my new job's a hassle. The kids have the flu. But it's sure nice talking to you, dad. And then as he hangs up the phone, he says, it occurred to me he'd grown up just like me. The Cats in the Cradle is a song about dads and their sons. And it's interesting because when Harry Chapin sang this song, he ended up telling the story about how he wasn't actually there for his son's birth. And even though the song was originally written by his wife about her first husband, Almost everyone listening to the song in some way connects, especially if you're a guy. Why would God want us to think of him, uh, him as our dad? We're all longing for dads, for access to our dads, for attention from our dads, for approval from our dads. It's common to every son, every daughter, especially sons, And God created life to be like this. He created family, and he created it so that family would begin with dad. In our sermon today, we're looking at some verses in John chapter 1, starting at verse 9. And we've seen in our other sermons how John wants things to be personal. So he wants us to get to a personal level with God. That's why he focuses on Jesus the one who he's leaning on his shoulder on the night of that final meal before Jesus dies, the one who's personally involved with Jesus and is teaching, and the one who now wants you to find that personal relationship with God. So he writes in chapter 1, The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John's message is personal. In fact, this is the one who sat next to Jesus at the final supper, whose feet was washed by the Lord Jesus. And when Jesus was on the cross, this is the disciple who Jesus chose to take care of his mom when he was away. In those final chapters, there's an interaction from Jesus on the cross to John and his mom, and he looks to his mom, and he says, Mom, this is your son. 
And he points, looks at John, and he says, John, this is your mom. And it says that the disciple John took his mother home to his own place from that day forward. Now, the word that John uses to describe taking her home, it says he took her to his own. John took Mary, the mother of Jesus, to his own, knowing now that this mom had lost her son, uh, the same mom who heard the prophecy from the Spirit, who knew this day was coming, had lost her son, and so she's given this new son. John takes her to be his own. Now that expression, he takes her to be his own, is the same expression used in our verses. In chapter 1, verse 11, it says, Jesus came to his own. Do you see the connection between Jesus coming, family, and home? It's saying Jesus came to his own family, to his own home, and they didn't receive him. Everyone, in fact, can relate to this because everyone is looking for their own. We are all looking for our own. A mom who lost a son, or a son who loses a mom, or a son who's orphaned, a a daughter who had a bad childhood, a dad wasn't there. Every one of us, in some way or another, are looking for our own. In the song by Harry Chapin, he talks about the son looking for his dad, looking for his dad, looking for his dad. And then later on, he talks about the dad looking for the son, looking for the son, looking for the son. It's expressing how in this world we know there's no perfect relationship. Now, some are better than others. Others are worse and more hurtful and harmful. But one way or another, there's no perfect relationship. So when we imagine God is our father, what kind of relationship are we supposed to imagine? We're looking for our own. It's like a young man, uh, a bad experience with fathers. You could have a father who's, who's abusive. You could have a father who's absent. You could have a father who's present but absent. It's like a young man coming home from college for Christmas. He's rode the bus home because he doesn't have a car, he can't afford it yet, so he rides the bus home, gets off at the bus station, and there's no one there to pick him up. So he figures there must have been a mistake. He grabs his bags, and through the winter snow and cold, he trudges for 30 minutes to finally get to his family's house. And when he gets there, the door's closed and locked. But the lights are on, so he knocks on the door. And dad comes to the door, he opens it a crack, and he says, I don't know you, and he shuts it. And we think about that and say, that would never happen, not like that. But it did happen. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. He came to his home, and his home did not receive him. It's talking about Jesus. Jesus searching for his own, searching for that place in this world where someone will receive him, where someone will realize who he is. 
So where should we find our own? Belonging, acceptance, love. Maybe you've found that in your family like it should be, and that's wonderful and gracious, and that's a gift from God. Or maybe you didn't. Jesus is having that experience of coming home. And John describes him as coming to our world and yet dwelling in a tent. The word became flesh and it dwelt in a tent in our neighborhood. That's what it's saying. He dwelt in a tent in your neighborhood because the world did not receive him. In chapter 8, Jesus talks about why this is. is He's addressing a group of people, the religious elite and most intellectually advanced, the educated. They should know more than anyone else who Jesus is. And yet they say, Abraham is our father. And Jesus says, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works of Abraham. But now you're seeking to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. You are doing the works your father did. And they said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, God. And Jesus said, if God were your father, you would love me. Because I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Whoever is of God hears the word of God. The reason why you do not hear them is because you are not of God. Meaning that without the intervention of God's Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ, we would only have the wrong father. We would only have the bad example, the lies, the sin, the hurt. That's all we would ever know. And we would adopt a way of life that fits that with the lies of the devil, our father. So the whole world, the whole cosmos, the realm of humankind did not recognize Jesus, did not have a familiar relationship with Jesus because they were born of another seed. And without God's intervention, Jesus would remain a homeless man that shows up on your doorstep, knows you from eternity to eternity, and you would say, I don't know who you are. You know, after Harry sang that song, seven years after he had written that song, he died in a car accident at age 38. Which means that his son, Josh, who he would talk about on stage and even bring up and sing with him, had to grow up from age nine on without a dad. How does a son deal with this? Well, in a way... Uh, We are meant to live through those experiences in order to find out how God is our Father. Jesus knew that every earthly relationship, whether it was good for a while or it was bad for a long while, is eventually going to come up short. 
He knew he was going to be rejected. He knew even the people who received him were eventually going to let him down. And there was only one person he could count on. His heavenly father. He was discovering the truth that God from above is the true father. The fulfillment of every human relationship that has come up short, that has failed, that has hurt That he is the fulfillment of our dad and every dad's fulfillment as it's supposed to be. But to all who did receive him, it says, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born again, born from above, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but they were born from God. This idea of having this right to be children of God should not be passed over lightly. In fact, in the liturgy, you might notice some of the liturgies use this passage, but they translate it wrongly. They say, as many as believed on him, if you believe on his name, he gives the power to become children of God. But the Bible doesn't say he gives you the power to become children of God. That makes it seem like, yes, you have the ability. You can do it. It's up to you. If only you'll seize the opportunity. No, it's not that you have the power to become children of God. It's that you have the right. And there's a good distinction there. The word is authority. The word means you have a legal access, adoption papers, a promised covenant in writing sealed with the blood of Jesus that says you are children of God. You have the right to be children of God because sometimes we just don't believe that we could really be that person, that we could really be a child of God because our lives are so fraught with sin. But when you receive Jesus... When Jesus comes and you see him for who he is, you realize the right is pure grace, which is why you must be changed. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is human is human. That which is fallen is fallen. But that which is born from above of the spirit is something new and different and wonderful. Americans in particular have trouble with this. Because we're so individualistic. We don't think about family. In fact, we've redefined family altogether. The so-called Respect for Marriage Act that Congress has passed and our president has approved is celebrated with drag queens. You hear the preaching of this Equality Act, which ends up giving the government and doctors the right to change your children's physical being. Gender, marriage, romance, child raising. Americans are lost because we don't know what family is. But family is what we receive from above. It's as if all America has just lost their fathers. Where are all the dads out there? And dads are not feeling too good about themselves either, I'll tell you. 
Jesus knew to find that from above. And the Father we find above is not the God we imagined. He's the Father that we've longed for, the Father that fulfills every dad, the Father because he's begotten us again to a family that we're looking at right here. For every father that wasn't there, for every dad that was there, but in the wrong way. For every parent who has come up short, for every family broken by divorce, for every son and daughter feeling lost or looking to belong somewhere, for every sinner who cannot seem to find the power to change themselves, he gave the right. He gave adoption, he gave welcome, he opened the door. And so as we're looking for access, as we're looking for attention, as we're looking for approval, we won't find it in this world, not to the fullness that we need. Access is found in the Father above, the one who we call Abba, Dad, as we pray to him. Attention is found from the Father above, the one who is present all the time who's chasing after us, who's never gone, never absent, never not there, even though we might lose sight of him and forget. He wants to play with you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to be with you as you get up in the morning and go to bed at night. And as we look for approval, he's the God of all grace, the one who gives us grace upon grace upon grace, and says, I'm proud of you. Through Jesus Christ, God is proud of you. Not because of your own doings. Because if you look there, you'll be striving for that approval for the rest of your life. You'll never find it. But because it's there in Jesus, who believe in his name, he gives the right to be his sons and daughters. To all who receive his son. And so open the door when Jesus knocks. When Jesus knocks on the door of your heart, open it. Look. See who he is. And when you see who he is, you will see who the Father is. Because if you've seen him, you've seen the Father. The personal God who becomes one of us, who comes down from above, who goes into that lost feeling, that abandoned feeling, that worried sense, that loneliness, the sinfulness, the distraught and despairing is all what Jesus has come to bring on himself and the cross so that we would never be alone at Christmas. We are brought in. And when we see God as he is, you know what we say? We say, I'm going to be like you, Dad. And it turns out well. God invites us home for Christmas. So as you're celebrating Christmas, no matter what the circumstances might be, how you even feel about it, happy, sad, or indifferent, God is your true joy. God is your true family. 
God is your true home. And then you'll find that all around you as you see God working it out for your blessing and for your grace. Amen.